caffeine metabolism, if you have your, um, if you ever taken one of those genetics tests, you can look at your caffeine alleles to see if you're a fast, fast, slow, fast, or slow, slow metabolizer of caffeine. This um, metabolizing caffeine is done with the liver. The liver basically, um, depending on what your genetics are, you have different equipment to break down caffeine quickly or slowly. So fast, fast metabolizers are actually very uh, good at breaking down caffeine very quickly. It does not stay in their system long. Welcome to the Tomination Time podcast. I normally stream diet and fitness on Twitch with my waifu, Helen. These podcasts will be edited portions of the stream. We'll go over diet, fitness, motivation, ergonomics, and more. Don't forget to follow us on twitch.tv slash Tomination Time and leave your notifications on for when we go live. Dutch Ride was asking earlier, is there anything good or bad to look for in an energy drink? So energy drinks get a bad rap, but they're really not inherently bad for you. Again, I'm, I'm assuming there's a reputable company that's not putting shit in there and they're going to get sued and, and like the company will shut down. Okay. Assuming it's a reputable energy drink company and they're not just putting in like um, drugs or cocaine or whatever else might go in there is basically just a carbonated drink that's got the summation of whatever's thrown in there. Basically, uh, caffeine and sugar for most of them. So do you have issues with sugar? Then you're probably gonna have issues with energy drink. Do you have issues with caffeine? Then you're probably gonna have issues with energy drinks and coffee or caffeine pills or whatever else it is. So um, most of what energy drinks are is just caffeine and sugar, or you can do the uh, the zero, the zero um, sugar or zero calorie energy drinks, which is basically just diet soda with caffeine, high amounts of caffeine. But again, it's not any different than just taking a caffeine pill or getting co caffeine from coffee. I mean, there's some slight differences with the impact of um, the other uh, nutrients or phytonutrients that might come with coffee. Sure, we can make that argument, but on the, the big picture scale, energy drinks are pretty much the same as just caffeine, sugar combined in a soda, carbonated water. Yes, some of them will have um, B vitamins in there too, which is fine. Someone was mentioning earlier about B vitamins. Oh man, is that so bad for you? Let's, let's pick one apart in just a second. But first, uh, examine.com. They have energy drink articles on this and examine.com. If you don't know them, they are the best resource for the evidence-based crowd looking for um, evidence-based summaries on common health issues such as energy drinks. And basically, it's just a combination of caffeine and taurine and whatever else they're going to throw in there. It depends on energy drinks. And um, it's just the sum of the parts. So you can go through that. They have actually multiple articles on energy drinks and um, that's what they uh, talk about. And yeah, there's case studies. There have been basically a case study is a fancier term for an anecdote, like an individual person having to have this and they documented it uh, where it caused problems for them. And usually those cases where people die from energy drinks and they get lots of publicity is because it is uh, they were basically doing way too much of it or they had some other underlying condition or they just uh, they're very sensitive to caffeine. OK, all of those is a recipe for disaster. OK, if you don't do well with caffeine, you should not be drinking energy drinks. OK, caffeine metabolism. If you have your um, if you ever taken one of those genetics tests, you can look at your caffeine alleles to see if you're a fast, fast, slow, fast or slow, slow metabolizer of caffeine. This um, metabolizing caffeine is done with the liver. The liver basically um, Depending on what your genetics are, you have different equipment to break down caffeine quickly or slowly. So fast, fast metabolizers are actually very uh, good at breaking down caffeine very quickly. It does not stay in their system long. This is different from tolerance, which I'll talk about in a second. 
But basically, they uh, break down caffeine so fast it's out of their system. They can go to bed. They can have coffee in the afternoon and go to sleep just fine. Um, you know who you are if you're that person where like you can pound two cups of coffee at 8 p.m. and go past out at 10. No, no issues. Versus someone who's on the other extreme, slow, slow metabolizer. They have a cup of coffee at 9 a.m. and they can't sleep all night at all and you again you know who you are like you get the jitters and it stays with you like all day now the tolerance issue is different tolerance is basically just how sensitive are you to caffeine metabolism is how long will it take before the caffeine's out of your system so um if you're a let's say a fast fast metabolizer but you're sensitive you're gonna feel the kick and the rush from the caffeine but it'll be gone after an hour or two uh, just as an example, so uh, someone who's been consuming caffeine for a long time, such as me, too much maybe, then um, my sensitivity is down. However, I'm a f I'm in the middle. I'm a fast slow metabolizer, uh, which basically means I don't clear it out that fast, I'm, but it doesn't like keep me up all night. So as long as I stop my caffeine intake before 5 p.m., I'm usually fine. It, again, it depends on the dose too. It's dose dependent. But anyway, that's kind of a quick overview of caffeine of does it bother you or not? And that's really not so much a question for energy drinks, but a question for caffeine in general. Can you handle it? Uh, the genetic test I'm talking about Reaper is just any almost any kind of genetics test that you can take out there. You can download either they'll tell you as like part of the report, they'll tell your caffeine genetics or just download the raw data and just Google for caffeine genetics or caffeine alleles and caffeine genes, caffeine metabolism genes. You'll find out what the sequence is. You copy and paste that into your code. Um, you know what? Let me just show this on, on, you know what? Let me just walk you guys through this right now. Give me a second to pull this up. Um, so I was gonna talk about the B vitamins and um, the daily upper limit. So let's look at B12 really quick for the daily upper limit. And then we're gonna do the um, genetics, like showing you guys how to look up your own alleles for this stuff. I need to prep some stuff and, and pull things on screen to uh, get ready for this. And I need to pull up my raw data. It's gonna take a minute for that. And in the meantime, I'm gonna pull up some other information about vitamin B12, because like, if you look up an energy drink, let's look at um, Monster Energy Drink uh, label. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just prep a bunch of stuff to talk about uh, energy drinks and how much is in there. Mm. This will be good enough. Okay, and then daily, um, daily upper limit. And let me pull up on examine.com, vitamin B12. Because there's, there's two things I want to cover. And um, let me... I have to grab my genome data and move this over somewhere else to make sure it doesn't have any personal identifying information. If you guys see any personal identifying information in there, please let me know. Hopefully it doesn't show up. And let me get the genetics information ready. Caffeine gene. Or caffeine uh, genetic allele. Okay, um, I think I have all the information I need for all of this. Okay, so let's uh, start with the energy drinks. So you might see an energy drink like this, where it says, 
you have uh, vitamin B12, like the B vitamins. Oh man, it's so much B, B, B vitamins. It's 200%. Sometimes you'll see it's like a thousand percent, a thousand percent of my B12 in a single energy drink. Isn't that bad? Aren't I gonna overdose on that? That sounds so bad for me. Uh, these RDAs or recommended daily value, it actually, all of these vary quite a bit from person to person, needs to needs, genetics, your, um, what's too much and what's too little. Um, I'll say this briefly, which is one exclamation mark, master John, I would go check out, um, Chris master John and his, uh, vitamin vitamins and minerals one one guide, which he talks about this stuff. And, um, the second thing is water soluble vitamins in general, don't have an upper limit that is an easily achievable upper limit that is dangerous for us. What I mean is it is hard to overdose on water soluble vitamins, uh, which is basically B and C and it, uh, B vitamins and C vitamins or just vitamin C. It's hard to overdose on that. Unless you're like, you're, you're intentionally trying. Even so those are two general guidelines. I just want to give versus the fat soluble ones, A, D, E, and K, uh, A and E are kind of infamous for people overdosing on that versus D and K aren't so much famous for that because that doesn't it's harder people usually don't overdose on dnk it's usually a and e because they're taking cheap multivitamins where they superdose that those are fat soluble they will stay with you for a while but back to this original question regarding um the original point i want to make about the um energy drink or the um energy uh amount of b vitamins in it you take a look at something like five hour energy they have uh how much they have like two thousand or eight thousand eight eight thousand percent of your B12 in a single shot. That sounds so bad, right? Here is how you determine, is this too much? Is this bad for me? Uh, Google this. The vitamin daily upper limit. What is the daily upper limit or tolerable upper limit? It depends on what you're looking for. But basically, the recommended amount is 1 to 25 micrograms. Okay. What is the um, upper limit? So let's go in here and look at this. Da, 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 da. Do they do they give me the answer right away? Not to click through all that stuff. No, not click through all it. Um, let's just go quickly through this upper limit. Tolerable daily upper intake uh, upper limit. Tolerable upper intake level is uh, what is this upper limit amount? Maximum daily intake unlikely to cause health adverse effects. I just search for this. And I feel like I am not seeing it. Where is, do they even define it here? This is the problem I do it live. It's sometimes difficult to find the information I was looking for. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because it's relatively safe, no tolerable upper intake limit level has been set for vitamin B12. Basically, there is no maximum. We have not discovered a case where taking too much B12 was bad except other than just like vitamin C, for example, general GI distress happens at two grams, which is a lot, 2000 milligrams, a lot of, um, that's a lot of vitamin C. And so I know, I know this number off the top of my head that basically two grams of vitamin C per day may cause GI distress in some people. And that's, the, that's the same thing. So, um, anyway, so that's the first thing I would look about. If you're concerned about too much of a vitamin or mineral, just look up what's the daily upper limit for how much is too much. Uh, generally speaking, it is rare. You're going to find, um, a food or consumable <laughs> consumable. I'm a gamer, right? A food or consumable that is going to actually push you past that off a single dose. Uh, usually it's a problem if you're consuming multiple doses of specific vitamins and that's going to be, a, could be a problem anyway. All right. So the next thing is the 
caffeine allele. Um, I am going to show this on screen and hopefully no, no personal information is shown. So I have my uh, genome here. So I downloaded this from, uh, I did 23andMe, and you can download the raw data. So it's just like raw data, 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 right? This is useless in its current form. You have to search for stuff. So you look up stuff like um, caffeine genetic allele, right? This is what I'm looking up. Caffeine genetic genetics, I'm looking for the allele. So for caffeine metabolism, you're looking for, I believe, I kind of forget. I think it's R762551. So let's try this out. It's been a while since I've done this, but let's just go. R, so I'm gonna copy and search for RS762551. So I'm gonna search for that. R7, there it is. Okay. So is that the only one? Nope, there's a second one. Here it is. So my R762551 is AC. I have an AC combination. So what does that even mean? We can look up the information here. So AA, right here, AA is fast metabolism for caffeine. Fast caffeine metabolism. You can read this whole article later. They talk about it. Fast caffeine metabolism is AA. Uh, CC is normal metabolism of caffeine or basically slow. AC is the middle, basically. Uh, they, If you read it carefully, they define it differently depending on who you're talking to. Basically, a, uh, the way that's commonly defined is CC is slow. AC is slow too. Only AA is fast. I'm not sure why they define it like that because... Anecdotally, I've talked to people who are CCs and they like fucking get wrecked off a cup of coffee versus most people I think are AC. I don't know the numbers on this, but when I talk to ACs like myself, my wife are both AC and we're, you know, mental metabolism. We don't get wrecked from coffee. Um, and then AAs, they just they can they can abuse caffeine and they barely they it's out of their system so fast. So anyway, that was a long tangent to talk about all that stuff about caffeine metabolism and uh, what to look for in energy drinks. Yes, waifu, you are the same as me. We're both AC. We're in the middle. And again, another thing about genetics too is this stuff is um, one of the interesting thing, things about genetics is it's not like it's set in stone. Genes turn off and turn on. So back in the 90s, when we were decoding the genome, we thought like, this is it. We're going to have all the answers now. We're going to unlock everything about humans. And it turns out the human genome is actually pretty simple. Uh, wheat has more genes than us. I don't remember the number. I think it's something to the order of Humans have like 11,000 unique genes and wheat has like 220,000 unique genes. I don't understand why, but let's look, look that up really quick. How many unique genes do um, humans and how many unique genes does wheat have? Okay, yeah, yeah, so here it is. Check this out. This is, is this shocking? Uh, wheat. Okay, humans. Humans have about 20 to 25,000 unique genes. And then you look at wheat. Wheat has like a hundred in the order of like 160,000 to 334,000 genes. We're not very special. We're not very different. And it's interesting, but basically your genes don't set your life. Your genes do not determine everything. It's not set in stone. Genes turn on and off is very interesting. So, um, I hope that gives you an idea about how to kind of search for things on your own. While we're in the topic of uh, genes, I will say that if you ever download your raw data, you can go to a website called Prometheus. I'm going to type it out in chat because it is difficult to spell. Uh, Prometheus, just Google for them. Um, it's right here, so I'll just so you can see it on screen. Um, P R O M E. T-H-E-A-S-E. -E. And basically you upload your gene. No, I think they do exist. 
Wi-Fi. I'm pretty sure they still exist. Let me let me look for them right now. Um, you upload your raw data, and then they will uh, give you a ton of information. Maybe information overload. Uh, maybe hypochondriasm. Uh, you might end up being a hypochondriac after that. Yeah, Prometheus still exists. I just checked. Uh, so anyway, they'll just show you all the science that relates specific genes that you have to good or bad things. So um, might be too much information for some people to find out like, oh, you're higher risk for Alzheimer's. But what you do with that information is important. I think if you're higher risk for Alzheimer's, you should take steps to improve uh, the likelihood that you will have a good outcome from Alzheimer's or like just decrease the likelihood you're gonna get Alzheimer's. Stuff like, you know, lots of sleep, sleep, good quality sleep, that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, that's the discussion about the energy drink stuff. Stuff I would look for, I would check about like, I would check the most important things. So we're finally answer this. Caffeine levels, is it what I, is it ma does it match my tolerance to what I prefer for caffeine? I know my preferred caffeine amounts, like 200 to 400 milligrams for the morning to get me going. It depends on like how tired I am and how many calories does it come with. My preference is I usually, if I'm gonna go for an energy drink, I usually do Monster Zero because what I like to taste too, um, the caffeine is nice. It's a good amount of caffeine. I prefer the zero sugar because I want those calories somewhere else that's more enjoyable. And two, sometimes if I just have a, a, mo a regular monster with all that sugar, it's like 200 calories, 300 calories, somewhere around there. Uh, I actually just don't feel good. Empty stomach with just pure sugar, I, I legitimately don't feel good. So I just prefer the, the zero energy. Um, the zero calorie one, I feel better. And no, artificial sweeteners are not that bad for you. I know some people might be thinking uh, something awful like, like, did he did just, he just say, say he uses zero calorie energy drinks they're so bad for you because they use artificial sweeteners don't you know about artificial sweeteners don't you know don't you know how dare he talk about those so uh they're not that bad and exam.com also breaks down how artificial sweeteners the danger of them is severely overblown just don't consume a ton of artificially sweetened drinks per day you consume one or two here and there not a big deal moderation matters all right Brosenbloke says, for a client wanting to lose weight, how much protein in grams should they be consuming per day? How does this affect their macros? So it's a female client who is 5'7", 240 pounds, and he was thinking about 0.6 grams per pound of body weight per day. So 144 uh, grams, that seemed kind of high to him. So to some degree, yeah, I agree that's a little bit high, but... Um, the specific math, like if you look at the studies, when you hear that number that people often say of one gram of protein per pound body weight, bro, one gram, you're not doing one gram. Don't you know? Don't you know that it's supposed to be a one gram or more, bro? You're doing less than that. How could you? So we've we've heard that number thrown out a lot. And because it's a very easy number to remember, it's a good uh, high number to aim for for most of us. But um. The actual math and the studies focus on uh, lean body mass, which is LBM. That's one way to think of it. Uh, LBM, they, they look at how what's their body fat percentage, take that out, and then you're left with uh, lean body mass. So for example, for me, I'm like perhaps 15% body fat. So let's just round to 15%. And I weigh 185. So we do the math really quick. If I am uh, 185, 50% body fat, that means 85% of my mass is, um, wait, I did, hold on, wrong button. 185, 80, that means 85% uh, of my mass is lean body mass. So that means um, my non-fat mass, my lean body mass is 157 pounds. 
ish, right? These are all estimations. So that basically means my muscle, my water weight, my organs, my um, tissue, my uh, um, uh, skeleton, all of that stuff is my uh, lean body mass. So the lean body mass, so from that number, then they have determined that the optimal protein intake would be something like 1.2 grams per pound lean body mass or 1.6 grams uh, times um, uh, 1.6 grams per pound lean body mass and so forth. So that's how they kind of derive these numbers. It's just for the purposes of educating the general per person, telling them to like calculate their body fat percentage and then reverse calculate lean body mass and then, you know, do the numbers from there is kind of uh, unnecessarily complicated for the beginner. So what I usually do is I say <clears throat> the range being 0.6 grams to one gram of protein per pound body weight as a decent rule of thumb to where 0.6 grams of protein per pound, per pound body weight applies to people who are beginners, you are more obese, um, and you're not particularly strong. So in those cases, those people should probably be aiming for the lower end. For example, a 300 pound person really doesn't need one gram. A 300 pound beginner who has never lifted weights does not need 300 grams of protein. That's just absurdly high. They can if they want. Nothing wrong with that as long as they can afford it and they feel okay off of it. I mean, protein is... 300 grams of protein, that's, that's a lot of fucking protein. So um, uh, so the beginner doesn't need as much because also their their body, their, their fat mass is going to be quite high. So you got to factor that in too. So 0.6 or maybe even less depending on where they're at and also just talk to them. Do they enjoy high protein? Um, you'd be surprised by how difficult it is for some people such as female clients trying to get in the high amounts of protein that some trainers just give them uh, without asking them for feedback. So, and then on the opposite end, if you are more advanced, if you're leaner, if you are stronger, then you probably want one gram of protein per pound body weight or even more. If again, if you can afford it and you're comfortable with it. So you're asking like, um, what would I choose for this person? I would choose 0.6 grams and then go from there. And if they don't enjoy 0.6 grams per pound body weight, cause you said she was 240, right? Let me scroll back up. Um, yeah, 240. So 240 times 0.6, which is 144. Like he said, still a bit high. It can be. So I would start them off there and then see how they feel with that and just ask them, like, do you like how do you feel? Do you enjoy that? Because uh, if they were eating, for example, like 60 grams of protein per pound, uh, sorry, 60 grams of protein per day, that's not much. And then to suddenly more than double that, that's going to be a huge jump for them. They're gonna be, they might be feeling gross and that's going to affect sustainability and adherence because that matters more than what's the most optimal. Right now. Um, how would that impact their macros? The way I calculate macros is start with your minimum protein and then start with your minimum fat and then backwards calculate how many calories you have left to calculate the carbs. So I've gone over it in a different, um, I've gone over it plenty of times. So I'll give a quick overview for that. You first determine how many calories can this person, or what, what's the calorie goal for this person to basically lose weight. And then based on body weight, minimum, uh, minimum amounts of protein. So let's just show this on screen really quick. So let's, I don't know what the calories are. Let's just say she, her calorie goal is 2,000 cals. Um, so this you have to just assess, figure out how many, how low can I go? So calorie goal is 2,000 cals, and then protein, min, min protein would be, in this case, uh, 0 0.6 grams times the uh, body weight, 240 pounds, equals uh, 144 grams protein. And then, let me fix the typo. And then min um, fat 
about 0.3 grams, 0.2 to 0.3 grams of fat per pound body weight is a good place to go. For people who are more obese, again, same thing. I would choose the lower end of that scale. So 0.2 times 240 equals, um, <clears throat> let's do the math really quick. Wait, no, let me, let me make sure I get it right. Uh, 48. 48 grams fat and then from there fill in the rest of the calories with with whatever macros you want so you could just take in whatever calories you have left right so you, let's do the math of the calories left over so 2000 calories minus how many calories in the protein is four grams or four calories per gram so four times 144 minus uh how much energy how many calories per gram of fat so nine times 48 equals whatever's left over is what you get to um, eat or whatever it's what you get to that's your remaining calories you can put into carbs protein fat whatever you feel like doing so uh 2000 so uh four times to the math real quick four times 144 is 576 and then the fat nine times 48 432 so subtract that all together 2000 minus 576 minus 432 equals 9992 cals remaining for whatever. So if the person wants to go keto, they can go keto if they want and put the rest of these calories towards uh, fat and some protein. Or if they want to just put this all towards carbs, they can put it all towards carbs. It comes down to a question of what's going to be most satiating, what the, what are they going to enjoy, uh, what will help them stick to everything and all that stuff. So that's how I, how I would balance all of this. Um, my preference is to go towards carbs. Uh, protein is great and all, but sometimes carbs makes you feel better, especially for performance if you're working out in the gym. So that's kind of how I would uh, balance things. <clears throat> so, um, so bros and blokes, you backwards calculate through 25% of the calories set for the fat, then divide by nine for grams. That's fine too. Sometimes people divide up their macros by um, percentages, but like you might've heard like 40, 40, 20, 40% carbs, 40% protein, 20% um, fat or like 50, 25, 25, or, or whatever macros they do. I don't care that much. I find the percentages to be less precise in my opinion, um, but it's easier to track on apps. Like it's easier to visually see if, if it was like 50, 25, 25, and you're matching. I don't care that much. In my opinion, macros are important, but they're not as important as total calories. Calories in, calories out. So um, uh, that's basically how I would kind of, uh, layer things, start with calories, figure out your minimum protein and fat, and then work backwards to figure out what else you want to do. Uh, so sugar fitness says, do you think it's more appropriate to point someone at grams of protein per pound, uh, per body weight targeted their goal body weight? Then, uh, I don't think the difference is going to be that huge because the assumption sugar fitness is so, so you're basically asking, you have a 240 pound woman and let's say she wants to get to 140 pounds. So a hundred pound drop, she wants to drop hundred pounds and we're calculating protein based off of, um, her current weight instead of her goal weight. Why not do her goal weight? That's what you're asking, right? So uh, in my opinion, the amount of protein she's taking in each day would be almost the same. Why? Because the actual math depends on their lean body mass. Now, so again, I start with that scale, 0.6 grams of protein per pound body weight to uh, for the, the obese beginner to one gram of protein per pound body weight for the more advanced uh, leaner person who's been dieting down longer. So in this case, it comes out to almost the same in that, if you start at 240 pounds, we're aiming for 0.6 grams, right? So that's 
144 grams of protein per pound body weight. I'm sorry, sorry, let me back up. 144 grams of protein per day. And then as she diets down, the assumption is she's going to be lifting weights because if I'm working with her or bros and blokes is working with her, then they're going to be uh, weightlifting. They're probably going to be gaining strength and they're going to be losing weight and getting leaner. All that combined means that as she goes down 100 pounds, she should be increasing her protein um, on that scale from 0.6 to one gram of protein per pound body weight, she should be sliding that up because she's starting to qualify for the one gram of protein per pound body weight, which is she is getting leaner. She's been dieting down for a while. She is lifting weights, getting stronger. She's becoming more advanced. So for all of those reasons, it should be going towards one gram of protein per pound body weight, which is if she hits her goal weight of 140 gram, uh, 140 pounds, then she would still be consuming about the same amount of protein. Does that make sense? Praise Jesus. At the end of the day, it's going to end up being almost the same because of the we're, we're calculating based off of lean body mass. Does that make sense to you guys? Like I was doing a lot of like talking instead of typing it out because I, I know it's easier to visually see it. <clears throat> anyway, um, praise Teresa says, don't know if you've seen this article. Yep. I've seen that article. It's a great one. Physiognomics fat loss It's in the discord exclamation mark discord. Uh, go to the resources channel and I list all my favorite resources for stuff like fat loss, building muscle, all that stuff. Physiognomics is one of them. It's a great, he's, he's got a funny style of writing. Case Dog says, hi, Tom, which Legion products are you taking while you train? Oh, my hashtag sponsored Legion. Oh, man, I love everything about Legion. No, seriously, um, the ones I'm taking right now is I'll take their pulse pre-workout, which I think honestly, I think pulse is one of, their, one of their best ones. You see my favorite ones right here. Um, they have two fat burners that are actually a pretty good formulation, Phoenix and Forge which I've reviewed many times on stream. Most fat burners suck and do nothing. Theirs do a little bit, which is honestly the best that you can get from fat burners. You don't, it does not make a massive difference. It makes a small difference. Pulse their pre-workout, I take that one. Um, as a pre-workout, I usually have some of their protein prior to the lift and some post-workout protein. Because today's uh, schedule, I'm lifting at a different time. I've kind of, I had to, sh I got my, my meal and caffeine consumption shifted to it's not normal today so we'll just go with what i normally do what i'll normally do is i wake up like around 6 30 or 7 a.m uh, i do my morning routine to get ready to stream and work out it's so all consume um <clears throat> some coffee and some pre-workout because i'm addicted to caffeine uh seriously send help and so i do that plus some of their uh protein i'll add a little bit of salt a little bit of apple juice because i need some i i checked a strawberry flavor a fruit flavor plus the apple juice because i just don't have time to digest a big meal uh prior to my workout in the morning i need to just get the food in get the calories in and then move on to uh start the workout and start getting ready for all that so um post-workout then i take um some more protein. I'll take the recharge. I think the recharge is a good formulation. I'll usually time that with my lunch. My meal timing is not optimal at all. Not optimal at all because I basically consume some uh, protein and carbs around 7, 7.30 a.m. Exercise and then I get, I'm really busy just like go, go, go all morning after I'm done exercising. Uh, then I will do breakfast or a lunch around like 11.30 and just eat, eat a big meal with protein plus their recharge which is their post-workout stuff um and that's about it and then some coffee to fight food coma later in the evening i take their triumph which is a multivitamin which i think is a really good formulation i take that and some of their fish oil triton and i think that's about it so those are the main ones that i take 
I have tried their Fortify, their joint supplement on and off. I didn't personally notice a big difference, so I'm not really going to take that long term. Uh, some people have noticed a big difference um, in the chat. Like there's there's been some people in the community who did like that. And um, what else? I've tried their other product, Ascend. That's our brain booster. I, I personally, I think it's a good product, good formulation. I personally did not feel a huge difference from it, so I'm just not going to keep taking it. Um, and that's, I think that's about it. So what about you guys? Any of you guys take anything? But um, yeah, don't forget, guys. It is, what's the word? It's hashtag sponsored here. So if you do decide to purchase anything from them, please use the code Tom for 20% uh, off your first purchase and temp, uh, double the loyalty points on future purchases for 10% off. But anyway, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Payan says, what are the top three things you wish you knew first when you started bulking? Top three things you wish you knew when you first started cutting. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't remember anything that really stood out to me other than a couple of things. So three things might be kind of hard for me to do, but I'll try to do, uh, to remember what I can. So, uh, for the bulking part, I wish I knew more about how important it is to just focus on if you're generally getting stronger or doing more volume and you're gaining weight, then you're doing it right. So I would kind of forget about that and just focus on gaining weight, even if I was plateauing on lifts. Um, in which case, I probably should have dialed it back a bit on calories when I was plateauing and then while I try to like dial it back or deload. Um, the other thing is it's okay to do slow volume to where your volume is slowly increasing, not trying to push too hard too fast. If you're a beginner and you're in linear progression mode where linear progression meaning every workout you're just adding five pounds, five pounds to the bar. So you're getting stronger and stronger by five pounds. Um, go ahead, keep adding volume. But once you start to hit that, the end of that progression, you have to change up your training modalities and accept much slower amounts of volume and even um, deload quite a bit and start periodization where you start ramping up more slowly over time. So, uh, and you can still bulk during those times, even if it's old volume that you used to be able to do, but you're still slowly increasing calories and slowly bulking up, getting bigger and stronger while you're increasing the low volume. If that makes sense. I'm not sure, not sure if that makes, does that make sense? The other stuff about diets or cutting, um, refeeds and diet breaks are, there's, there is no magic secret trick to fat loss, but if there were, damn, diet, diet breaks and refeeds, probably the closest thing to that. Exclamation mark refeed, uh, you can see a video and an article I wrote about that, um, tominationtime.com slash refeed. So you can check it out there. Uh, refeeds, when you're getting leaner, I think they're fucking magical. It's basically a maintenance calorie day, high carb, and um, you seriously feel like a new person after you do a refeed day, after you've been uh, dieting down for a while. Anyway, the articles they in the video, they go over the refeed stuff there, so you can read more about that. And then um, the last thing about cutting is uh, macros and protein. Getting really high protein is not the most important thing ever. Hitting your calorie goals sustainably and feeling good or feeling good enough, I mean, it's cutting, right? Like, you're not going to feel great. So um, doing that is more important than try trying to, like, hit these, like, one gram. Get that one gram of protein per pound body weight. You've always got to hit that one gram, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, look, when you're getting lean, you're running out of calories to work with. And so getting an additional 20 grams of protein sounds good, but... If you could put those 20 grams towards carbs and you actually feel fuller and feel better for performance, that is probably a better choice. And so I, I emphasize protein too much to the point where um, I actually felt way better and it was way more sustainable when I swapped. I started cutting out some protein calories and moving those towards carbs. 
So those are my top issues. And I asked um, the chat for some ideas uh, for what their answers were. Pan says for him for cutting, the leaner you get, the harder it is to cut. Yep, absolutely. If you cut, if you can lose two pounds per week at the start, as you get down leaner to 12, 15% body fat, cutting rate gets much harder. So give yourself time. Yep, absolutely. You can lose weight much faster in the beginning when you first start and you have more body fat. But as you get leaner, it will get harder for sure. If this podcast earned it, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. We're new to the podcast space and we will be reading all the feedback. Also, if you like the content, follow us on twitch.tv slash time and keep notifications on for when we go live. Feed your brain, feed your body, and we'll see you next time.